Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we have a guest on the show that I am excited to bring to you guys. Uh, Michael Blanc has been a friend, um, a mentor to many in the apartment space. And I've just been watching his journey um, the last few years. I believe we originally met maybe through the real estate guys. I'm not even sure where we connected originally. But um, yeah, it's been a long, fun journey. And, and just watching Michael uh, you know, build out his coaching platform, his mentoring platform. But not only coaching, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of people that teach people how to invest. But Michael is an investor himself. Um, I've watched his journey. I've watched the deals he's done. And he's not just a guru. He's not just a coach. Um, he's out there doing the thing. And so, Michael, I'm excited to have you on the show and to teach us about investing for freedom. Yeah, man, it's great to be here. So, Michael, what, um, what's got you most excited right now? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I really want to uh, reach more, more people. And, you know, investing for freedom is, you know, our ma- mantra, we're a little more specific where, you know, we're all about financial freedom with real estate. And really what I want to do is I want to reach anybody who's, who's read the, uh, the purple, you know, the awful purple book. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm going to flip me some houses, you know? Yeah. And I just want to, I just want to shake them and hand me, hand them my yellow book, which talks about the actual real estate strategy that's really going to work. And so uh, the problem with apartment buildings is that, is that people get so caught up in the fact that it might be an advanced strategy, might be very difficult to do, might require a lot of money. And so there's a lot of limiting beliefs that when they hear that, they kind of shut down. So we're trying to develop messages that are maybe a little less scary and draws people in. So really in 2023, we just want to reach more people you know, through through better marketing, better events, uh, things that I need to just just reach more more people in general. So I mean, you know, got to the company not quite to where you have Mike, uh, but to the point where we are uh, poised to scale from a different perspectives in that regard. I love it. I'm excited. Um, yeah, and it's been fun. Just kind of you and I touched base. I don't know. It's probably been a year and a half, two years ago to just kind of see what what you're building on. And you guys have come a long way with the whole program. So. Can't recommend it enough. So let me get into the four questions. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what do you think that would be? Gosh, you just get right into the stuff, Mike. You know, I love that. Man, there's, there's so many different ways one could answer that. I would say consistency. Mm. Super boring. I know. <laughs> hey, I like it. Man. I know. What, what would you say? Maybe if we have some more time, we'll get back to it because my my audience has heard has heard my answer any time. So. <laughs> But yeah, it's super boring for me. I mean, it's just it's just doing a little bit every day for long periods of time. You know, I, I actually, um, I really appreciate that actually. And I was just re-listening to one of my favorite sales books ever, um, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And he talks about that pig-headed discipline. And he was a martial arts guy, right? And he said, so many people want to do like, they want to learn 10,000 moves and, and do them one time. And he's like, you got to do the same move 10,000 times. So um, I, I love it, man. It's, you know, a lot of times we want to, you know, paint this beautiful picture and everything else. But man, when it really comes down to it, consistency, I love it. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? My greatest setback, and you know, some people have setbacks, relationships or their health. Mine was financial. 
And it was uh, after I did read that awful purple book and I decided to go out on my own, quit my job. And and at the time, I got to say, I had a bunch of money from a software IPO. So I have a software background. I'm very highly educated, Mike. And um, and so I got all this money from the software IPO and I plowed it all into the restaurant business. Now, it was clearly misguided, but at the time it was a pretty darn good idea because I was surrounded by a lot of the Five Guys Burgers franchisees. Uh, back in Northern Virginia. And so they were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to fund this thing. We're going to hire a guy to run it all. We're going to sit back and count our passive income. I'm like, passive income? Really? So that's what I did. I bought a franchise and I, I hired a guy and he ran all, ran everything. And it actually worked pretty good. I was in a state of semi-retirement for a few years until the recession hit. And then it took me, I don't know, about five years to extricate myself out of that mess. I had about eight restaurants at a time in the process, lost all of my IPO millions, uh, add another $200,000 of um, unsecured lines of credit on top, max out my $30,000 credit card and almost lost my house. Mm. So that was probably my my most painful journey. And of course, you know, when you go through stuff like that, you learn a lot about yourself and about business and things of that nature. But that was that was by far the most painful experience. You know, that, that's, that's one of the main reasons why, yeah, I figured these four questions um, would would be on the list. I don't know. We're on episode 280 or something like that. And I figured these four questions would, you know, get filtered through, but man, that's why I love asking it over and over because everybody always wants to ask questions about the wins and and we get to hear all that because you have thousands of them. But, you know, hearing stories like that, Michael, just, you know, I it <laughs> I hate to say it this way, but it, it gives me hope seeing that you've gone through things like that. And and a lot of people, you know, either number 1 don't want to talk about it or number 2 you know, we just want to, we just want to talk about the wins and the day of social media and everything else. It's easy to, to just present the wins, but hearing that, um, and I love the way that you said that you're better for it. You know, I read uh, biographies early in the day, you know, right around rich dad, poor dad. And I started getting into self-development more and I started reading biographies and I was like, oh my gosh, these super mega uh, successful people. And one of the things I noticed, well, side effect that they're super successful was that they all had mega failure. Some of them repeated ones. And I've never failed in my life. I was always literally successful at every damn thing I did. I got really good grades. I, you know, I made a, got a great job in, in, in computers. And then I, I hit, hit the lottery with a startup uh, company. And I had never really failed or even gotten close to failing, right? And so I was like, ah, well, obviously it's not me. It must be them. There's something wrong with everybody else except for me. And, and, and it's like, it's like this, this thing where I think people are afraid of failing because they think it's a bad thing. Yeah. The only thing that's really bad about it is that it's an unpleasant experience, but really the growth, I mean, if you look at the, the 80% of my growth has really happened when I have had challenges, setbacks or failures. Mm-hmm. That's what I've grown. I mean, I, I've grown very little when I'm successful. Therefore, not that I want to fail all the time or I want to be in, in a chaotic environment all the time, but not being afraid of challenges and setbacks, actually inviting them because you know, you know, you're going to get through them. Okay. And, and, and therefore, if you get through them, you're going to be better for it. And uh, that was a lesson that I had to learn as well. You know, I'm, I'm curious, and I'll ask this question down the road if we get time for it, but you keep referring back to the awful purple book. And that's one of the things that, you know, <laughs> Kiyosaki um, is always talking about, you know, and, and we're trained in school not to make mistakes. You know, it's like, you know, not work together and, and you got to get A's on the test and not make mistakes. But that's one of the really two reasons why I seek people out like you. Number one, I want to be surrounded by as many, and selfishly, I love doing this podcast because I get to hear, you know, all the wisdom first. And selfishly, I want to be surrounded by guys like you that, 
you know, have done the thing because if I can learn the lesson or as much of the lesson as possible, you know, through you and and alongside of you even better. But to take that a step further, I love seeking out guys like you that have built programs and teaching and because if if you can have these guideposts, and I always thought about it this way with parenting, um, I, I know with GoBundance, you're working on the um, the tribe for the kids to get together. But with parenting, I've always thought about like, you know, when we go bowling, and I used to hate it when my kids were little, and they'd want the bumpers up, right? But I started thinking about parenting that way. And, you know, my my job as a parent is to keep the kids out of the gutter. Well, when I think about if I was new and getting into real estate investing and specifically multifamily, which is kind of your area of expertise, I would want somebody like you that would put the bumpers up for me, right? It doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean I'm going to get a strike every time, but keep me out of the gutter. Yeah, it's like, uh, and I've done this, but let's say you're going on, uh, you know, you're mounting on Mount Kilimanjaro, which a real estate guys have has done, you know, and, and I was talking to, to uh, Robert about this a little bit. And there's a lot of training that goes into it. And you almost, very few people actually go up there alone. They always pay a lot of money for a guide. Why? Because if they go up there alone, they're probably going to get lost, okay? Probably hurt themselves and possibly die. Mm-hmm. So you could do that. It'll take you a lot longer, it's less more dangerous. And and so I'm not saying that apartment building investing is dangerous. It's just a meaningful thing, like like uh, Mount Killer and John says, a meaningful thing. And so if you're going to do anything meaningful, like losing weight or improving relationships, why would you try to do that yourself? Why not mm. work with someone around you that uh, that has done it that can help you shortcut that? And I never, I really did not appreciate mentorship and advisors because I was the man. I knew everything clearly. Mm. And so when I got in the restaurant business, I did not have a mentor, and it wasn't for lack of money. It was sheer utter arrogance, right? And luckily for me, I found that mentor while the crap was hitting the, the fan. And he basically, you know, kind of war- worked me through it, through that, that problem. But man, he would have been super useful before I got into the business because he would ask me questions. And I was like, I don't, first of all, I don't know the answer to those. And number two, I wouldn't have liked the answer. Therefore, I probably wouldn't have got into it or I would have gotten into a lot slow, slower than I, than I did. And so I think, uh, I think really, Surrounding yourself with people who can advise you or the idea of a mastermind, so more of a peer group, both of those are super valuable. And like I said, I I didn't do that for many, many years until I figured it out. And so now you get into masterminds like Abundance or whatever masterminds you're in and it just elevates you so fast. Mm. You're around people that are doing stuff at such a high level and just blows your mind and you would have never thought of it. Or you, you, you do think of it, but you don't think you can do it. And then some other guy or gal goes, Mike, you can do this super easy. I've done it. And you're like, I can? And all of a sudden, you might go, well, shoot, maybe I can do this. Yep. And then you actually start taking action because you, you develop this belief because someone else sees something in you that maybe you don't. Mm, I love it. It's so good. Narrowing it down to just this really simple thing. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most if it was one piece of advice? I keep coming back to <clears throat> intentionality, I think. Intentional living. And, and that has different facets to it. Uh, and only say that because I never lived intentionally. I probably, I would say, drifted through life until it was my early 30s. Right around, I read the Purple Book is kind of really, right before is when I started waking up. I just felt, I felt discontented about, about different things, about the way the world works and, and the, the job and just life in general that everybody was just kind of doing. Like almost, it's like the, it's like the matrix. Everyone's like an autopilot. And I just started looking around. What the hell are we all doing? I got, you know, and so, and so I think intentional living is probably, the biggest thing I talk about, and that it involves various different things. Like one of the things that that made a big difference to me about seven years ago was Hal Elrod's book, you know, The Miracle Morning, because it it articulated certain things that I I couldn't. I like I I 
I was sleeping till 7.30 every day. The idea of waking up an hour earlier was insane to me. And, you know, I don't, I'm just a go-go guy. I don't really think about it. I just, I'm an, I act, but I don't really think necessarily. It's like in that order. And so if I found out now that if you can think a little bit more, if you can reflect about what you want to do, what you like, what you don't like, how you would like to uh, your life to look like and just slow down every once in a while. Not too much, of course. Slow down a little bit so you can think. And that has been very powerful because the, the mind is a very powerful, powerful mind as well, but you got to slow down enough. So I think living intentionally, and, and that applies to every part of your life. And, and, and it, it implies to your family and your spouse, how you treat them, how you treat your team members or even your investors. Um, things that you want to do in your company, you've architected your company where you're not day to day anymore. And I'm still working on it. It's a very intentional act and takes a long time. Like, how did you, I had a guy today, you have like, you have the best life ever. I'm like, dude, I've been working my ass off for the last 20 years to get to this point. It's not like I'm on a poem. Like it's a magic thing. It's a very intentional act over a number of years. So I think, I think intentional living is probably the one thing I would, I would boil it down to. Have you, I'm just curious listening to that. Have you always been like a disciplined, intentional person or is this kind of like a learned trait? I am a disciplined person to some extent. I, I would say not disciplined. I'm probably more ambitious than anything, anything else. I, I think discipline might be a strong word. I am now, but I didn't used to be. And I, I certainly was not intentional. Uh, that is definitely a skill that I developed. But I'm looking around and if you look at the successful people, and, and I don't just define success financially. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Tim Rhodes, you know, it was GoBundance, super successful guy, but he in a much different department. That guy is just, you know, you just, anyway, you know, the Dalai Lama, like successful, I guess, I don't, it's just, you know, they're, they're vibrating at a different level. You, you, you talk to people like that and they are all intentional. You can't operate at that level and live a fulfilled life mm-hmm. if you're drifting, yeah. right? So I think waking up in that way really unlocks the potential in your mind. Yeah. I love having conversations like this because you said a couple of things there. You said, you know, you're ambitious, which I really relate to. I'm ambitious, but I wouldn't say I'm disciplined. And I definitely wouldn't say that I, you know, was naturally intentional. So yes, I was ambitious. I I just love kind of like those, the breakdown. And, you know, a lot of people would say semantics, but it's not when you really get into it. I'm ambitious. And I love the way you broke that down. But I, I've had to really push myself to try to get more disciplined. And I would say actually even intentional. I like discipline is like the hardest thing for me, especially, especially when I'm like intentionally trying to get somewhere that isn't, you know, second nature to me. Um, so I, I love that how kind of how you fragmented that. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've developed discipline. I think I'm I'm pro I'm I'm in the strengths finder. Discipline is in my top five, right? So I I I am good at discipline. I I like discipline as long as it doesn't become monotonous. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. So I do strive for discipline. I'm pretty good there. Um, I I am weak in probably I would say relationships, like and feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm wired for efficiency. I don't know if you've ever done the Enneagram, which I just did like a year ago, and so I'm, I'm an Enneagram three, which means I'm wired for productivity. You know, and relationships and feelings are not. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm, I, I will get stuff done all day long and run circles around people. But then, you know, I won't talk to my children, my wife, or I'll blow them off or do something stupid because I don't feel it's, quote, productive. So I have work to do on the relationship side of things. And on the productivity side, I'm like, I'm like a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram 7, by the way. Oh, um, you're a partier. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's, 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 yeah. So I mean, like me, I'm like, well, let's just party for a couple more hours. We'll, we'll worry about that next week instead of tomorrow. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. One last question. And then, um, you know, I don't usually get in the, you know, the tactics and weeds too much with people, but with what you've built, I kind of, I kind of think we would do the audience a disservice if we didn't talk about that a little bit. So last question um, of the four questions, and then we'll get into some meat. Who has had the greatest impact on your life? And that's a great question. Um, I guess it really, it really becomes, uh, it's on, on um, multiple, really multiple levels. And, you know, you have mentors in different parts of your, of your life. So I can't, I can't really boil it down. Um, and then also the influence, influence becomes more and more specific, right? So, you know, I love the Lord Jesus. So he's a great influence on me and my, you know, everything, including possibly money. And my wife has been a big impact on me because she, she's so supportive and she listens so well. And I don't as much. So she's been a big influence. I mean, Robert Kiyosaki's book has been a huge, obviously, has influenced a, a, a lot, a lot of. And then there's, you know, there's there's other other specific, you know, uh, books that have, that have influenced you over time. When you read a good book and you maybe read it twice, if you read a book twice, you know, that that's a sign that you should probably pay attention to that. So Hal Elrod's book, both The Miracle Morning and uh, Miracle Equation around goal setting has been um, Gary Keller, The One Thing. You asked about The One Thing. That's super clarifying as well. So, you know, these are people that have, uh, inf- and then, you know, people like like you hanging out, you know, with, with you guys, every every time you have a conversation, it influences you because, mm-hmm. you know, what's interesting about a peer group is that you, you don't really impress anyone else, everybody else, because everybody else is already successful, right? And so, and so you can kind of uh, shed the BS a little bit and talk about more meaningful things. And every time you do that, it, you, you, it influences you. So, I, you know, I am, I would say I'm probably just an avid learner at this point. I like learning stuff. And I, at this point, really enjoy work, uh, learning from other people to try to maybe avoid some of the super painful mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love it. Okay. So you, re- I said one last question, but I just real quick, cause I, the awful purple book, why it, I'm, I'm guessing you're being facetious, but, or is it awful because you can't, I don't know. oh no, it's, it's awful. And here's why, because it's incomplete. It's like half the book is missing somewhere. And so uh, I even I even started using it in my marketing. I hope Robert won't call me up one day and say, dude, you can't slam my book. But it's it's a, it's a thing where obviously introduces this idea of passive income, which just blew my mind. Just the idea of that, that you could earn money while you're sleeping. Mm. Just, you know, and he uses terms like real estate and cash flow business and royalties. And you're like, what does it all mean? <clears throat> right. Then you want. And, and so this, here's the reason it's awful. It doesn't tell you the strategy to use to get to that point. It just gives you this high level principle. And you want it, but you don't know how to get it. Yeah. And so, and, and we deal with a lot of people who who poke around for lose years, like I did, they'll, and they'll flip houses for years, or they'll wholesale houses, or they'll burr method for years, and they finally wake up, go, I can't get there from here. What in the world, right? And then they listen to whatever my podcast, and then within a year they quit their job with apartment buildings. Yeah. And so, and so what that frustrates me, right? It's almost like I take the purple book and put my yellow book after. It's okay. Here's the here's the idea. Here's a big idea. And here's the playbook. Okay, put them together, and now you got something. That's why I think it's awful. It it just it uh, it sends people on on a on a on a path, and 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 that just won't lead to financial freedom, mm. or like unlikely lead to financial freedom. Yeah, so it's like an awakening with no uh, <laughs> no follow up. No follow up. You're like, how are high? Yeah. Now yeah. I've I've never. I mean, done this. Well, not since I was a teenager, but it kind of reminds me of like. I don't know. You got a lot of people out doing MDMA and having these spiritual awakenings with microdosing of drugs and all this stuff. And 
I kind of feel like it'd be something like that. You go see like a, whatever, a shaman or whatever and do that. But then like, he just leaves you. <laughs> he sends you home. You're like, what now do I do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like I, some kind of recipe. Yeah. Awake me all day long, but then give me something actionable afterwards. You know, that makes sense. Well, and again, like I said before, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time getting into the tactics, but on that note, why don't you tell us, um, cause again, I've, I've watched it from, you know, a distance and afar. Tell me about your path and then building what you've built. I mean, obviously you got into investing, but um, close the gap for us. I mean, you guys have kind of started to build the bridge from that awakening to actual execution. You said it, you know, people read the purple book and then a year later, if they do what you tell them, then then they're quitting their job and they're on their way to freedom. It was really response to my frustration. So from, from I mean, I literally, I literally lost 10 years of my life because I was trying to, I was trying to make, I was trying to, find financial freedom. I was trying to take my IPO millions and translate it into passive income. So it wasn't for lack of resources. And it literally lost 10 years of my life. Mm. And, and I wanted, and here's the problem with it. There's certain things that, that clearly failed. There's certain things that worked, but they didn't produce passive income. And there's things that worked sometimes, but then not others. Uh, like the pizza business worked great for some time and it wasn't recession proof. So it kicked my ass. Right. And so and so when I finally got into an apartment building while I was flipping houses, we flipped like three dozen houses and I kind of accidentally got into apartment building in 2011. And that in itself was a nightmare. Time for another, another podcast. But once we stabilized that, it got super boring. And I went on, you know, flipping some houses and I was like, dang, going at that apartment building, sending me like 1500 bucks a month, super boring. But wait a minute, maybe I want boring because flipping houses, of course, is very exciting, but it's a lot of work. If you're not, you know, buying, fixing and selling homes, you're not, you're not making money. And then there's no residual once you sell it. So then that's when I pivoted. And, you know, I was going to my local real estate investing meetings and people were asking me how I did this apartment building deal and how I raised the money for it. So I did some lunch, some brown bags, and then I actually did a seminar at the thing. And then I was like, well, shoot, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just sell some of my templates. I developed some templates, uh, including the syndicated deal analyzer and some, some, I developed some scripts that I was using back in 2006. Actually, I forgot. I took a, some, I took a class. Uh, back in 2006, and, and it was okay, but it had a lot of gaps. So I was calling on brokers for nine months in 2006 before the recession and developed a lot of these tools. So I sold these tools for like 250 bucks and like 20 people bought it. I'm like, I'm gonna pay 250 bucks for all this crap, you know? And uh, and it's just, uh, just the response I got from people, they were like, I, I felt like I was a step ahead of them and that seemed to help people. And so I was like, well, shoot, I just, I just gotta keep one more step ahead of people and then started developing more and more stuff and then I started realizing the pattern was the same over and over again. People would get into single family houses, get frustrated, and then pivot and very quickly uh, quit their job. And then I was like, well, I wonder if we could do it without real estate, single family house experience. And so we started doing uh, targeting people who didn't have any real estate experience. And day two within a year quit their job. And we're like, oh, oh my gosh, you don't actually need real estate experience and you don't need money because you're going to raise it. And so now I can bypass single family house investing if you want. I mean, if you have a successful flipping business, don't put a bullet in it quite yet. But I don't need you to flip houses or landlord for five years to, quote, graduate. You can go from where you are right now straight into apartment buildings. And that that is powerful. And the speed with which that happens, most of our students do their first deal in the first six months, 180 days. And, and most of them quit their job because they have these acquisition fees from that one deal and they have a pipeline. They see it. And they're like, if I quit my job now, I guess I got six... $60,000 acquisition fee, I, and I need whatever, 10 grand a month, I got a six month uh, runway. If I go full time, I can accelerate this business. Mm. 
Mm. And so they'll quit after their first deal or maybe their second. And it's so within six to 12 to 18 months, people literally quit their jobs and are now full-time real estate investing. That's awesome. That is awesome. What so I'm I'm curious because you know I can I can kind of hear, you know, you you mentioned this earlier, the limiting beliefs, the doubts. Like it's easy, well, I shouldn't say easy. I think it's easier for somebody to, you know, have their awakening and then be like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go find a single family house or whatever. And you were talking about the limiting beliefs earlier. Let's address some of that right out the gate. Cause I can hear people already like, you know, yeah, I can understand taking down a, you know, 200, $300,000 house, but an apartment complex, come on. Yeah. And, and it's just, it really boils down to two. Uh, then other tactical questions, but they're super tactical and really not important. The two most important ones. I always look at stuff, what prevents someone from moving forward? It's, it's a matter of belief. And there's two things that people don't believe. They, they don't believe they can do it for two reasons. One, they don't have the experience because they feel like apartments are, um, are advanced and no one's going to, uh, brokers aren't going to take them seriously and certainly investors aren't going to take them. So they, they don't believe they can do it because they don't have the necessary track record. And they don't believe it because they don't have access. To, they don't have the money themselves. And and if they even hear about the fact that you can raise money from people, like, I don't think I can raise money, right? And so they're dead in the water. And 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 the truth is that within thirty days, I can teach you every. I can teach you how you can appear so experienced that brokers not only return your phone calls but don't ask for proof of funds, and where you actually start raising money from investors who are interested in what you're doing before you even have your first deal. Like that takes no more than thirty. 30 days. And that's it. And and now you're armed and dangerous. Now you can call brokers, you can start generating deal flow, you start talking to investors. And and now it's just a and and now you got to fill in the gaps. So we have something called the dealmaker blueprint that shows you every aspect of, you know, how do you f- pick a market? How do you analyze deals? That the mechanics are raising money. But to me, those are all secondary because I can teach you that in a weekend. You just go through an online course and boom, you know it. But it's hard to teach belief, right? I need to I need you to start believing, at least to some degree, that you can overcome these things. You might not have the exact answer, but you got to believe that you can overcome those two things. And if you can do that, then you can take the next step. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love I love what you're really getting there. And, I, and I've said this a couple of times in this show, but I don't a lot of times go into, you know, the weeds and tactics on, you know, people's process and what they're really coaching and teaching because, you know, I want to I want to elevate mindset more than anything. But and you probably don't even know this, but I've. I've said this, I've been watching you from afar, but also I've asked a lot of people over the last couple of years, like who, who would you use? And man, your name, Michael Blanc, Michael Blanc, Michael Blanc keeps coming up in a good positive way. And so I'm not just saying this and and I'm not just getting into the weeds with you because I want to, like it's genuine and I believe it. And I know people that you've impacted their life. And so when you talk about coming alongside of somebody that doesn't believe that they can do it, if there's one thing that I know that has separated me from anybody else that's um, not successful or, you know, maybe was right alongside of me, I was literally an apprentice with many people. And, you know, I have people that were my bosses that I ended up, they ended up coming to work for me. And the one thing that separated me always was believing that I could, but even when I knew that I needed more information or I knew that I was in over my head, I always, always, always found a mentor. And I always had somebody to come alongside of me and teach me and coach me and train me. So that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, hearing your methodology and and kind of, you know, how you guys take people through the process. So I, I love hearing you say that because the only difference between someone that can and someone that can't is the person that does exactly what you said. They just believe it, they step into it, and then they come alongside of people that are gonna coach them and train them and show them a better way. 
I think as an entrepreneur, you have to get comfortable operating in the gray zone in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, gray zone uh, with regards to risk tolerance, gray zone with the amount of and the accuracy of information you have, right? There are people who need to be just have everything straightened out. They're not going to be uh, entrepreneurs because the information is always incomplete and it's always mo- somewhat inaccurate, right? And so, and so, but you do have to develop, develop belief. You, you have to develop belief because if you don't believe something, why would you take a step in the direction if you don't believe you can climb that wall? Why would I even try, right? Now, if I believe that I can scale the wall because I have an instructor, maybe some equipment that might help, okay, I don't know how to use it, but I believe I can do it with the right help. Now you're on to something. But a lot of people look at the wall and go, can't be done, right? And those people are, they're difficult uh, to, to pers- I'm gonna say persuade. They're, they're, they just really are because they're, they, are, they are stuck in, in certain limiting, limiting beliefs. But if I have someone who says, yes, I see what you're saying. I kind of see how this could be done. You're painting a picture. I don't know the details, but it seems like you've had success with other people before, right? And you have maybe a system that's worked maybe more than once. Uh, and all I need to do is apply and have you help me. Let's go. Now, with people like that, we can work, right? But that's like with anything. It's not just apartment building investing. It's like anything anything you want to do, even if you want to get a house flipping or, or, or anything like that. Um, you, you, you want to work with someone that has a proven system that's kind of worked before and then just trust the, and then work the system, you know, trust the system and work it. Love it. Love it. So I have a random question and then, and then we'll, uh, I'll be cognizant of your time here because I know we got a hard stop coming up. So what is one thing that you used to do yourself that you now pay someone else to do to create more freedom in your life? Well, many things. And, and here's my problem. I'm very competent. And no one can do it as good as I am. Uh, I can, Mike. <clears throat> and so, but in a, in a practical matter, because I have a technical background, when you start an online business, um, and that requires technology of, of some sort, like especially how to put up a website or how to put up a course or how to do a spreadsheet, like stuff like that. So I knew that and I could do it. And therefore I did it. Now, in my defense back in the day, I didn't have money coming in. So it was very difficult. And this is a limiting belief impossible for me to hire, let's say, a VA because I was losing money. Okay, again, I say limiting belief now in, in hindsight. But that, so I would, I would do all the tech stuff for myself. I would, uh, I would edit the podcast. I don't know. I think I edited the podcast until maybe 2018 until I finally realized that it's not the, probably the best use of my time to edit my own podcast. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I got myself out of the, um, I would say, the, the content production and distribution business is probably that. And most recently, and, you know, is, is I have extracted myself from the operations of my own business, hired a COO. Mm. You know, so now that the, the cadence is trying to get getting on the same page about the vision and the rough plan and then trusting someone else to execute the plan. And, um, you know, the next step one day would be to replace myself as CEO, which, you know, which which you've done. So um, the trick for me is trying to figure out the right time, because for some reason, I actually don't have a problem delegating. My problem is delegating too soon. Yeah. Uh, and so when the restaurant business, one of the mistakes I, I made is I, I as soon as I hired my guy to run the restaurant business. I shook his hand and say, see ya. Don't ever call me unless the place burned down. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm exaggerating to make a point, but I'd meet, I'd meet from one, you know, once a week over lunch you know, and, and pat ourselves on the back of how good of a job we're doing, not paying attention. You know, At this point, out of the six restaurants, I hadn't met four of my managers, right? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't realize I was losing money until early 2013. And, and 
and I couldn't believe it. I'd taken the eye off the ball. I delegated so well slash poorly that I became so complacent and detached from my business because I thought it was a passive investment, right? And and so, and and I struggle with that a little bit where I try to delegate too soon. I said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put together the Google Doc and I'll I'll throw it over the fence and surely they will do a good job with it. When of course they don't. So I've gotten a lot better. But it also, in my mind, takes a lot longer now for me to to delegate because I really need to be, it, it just takes longer for someone to get trained up and get on the same page. So I just need to be a little more patient. Yeah. I've actually found myself a lot slower to even hire because I know I'm not good at delegating. I'm very good at delegating. I'm not good at delegating properly. And so I've I've slowed down even hiring because, you know... <sighs> I don't know if you were on that call with Joe Lonsdale in early 2020 in the GoBundance group, but he was talking about A players versus, you know, we always think A players, but true A players that have, you know, done businesses and they've ran businesses and maybe even better than, than we could do it. And if you're truly not, if you're truly a visionary and not good at delegating, or if you're too good at delegating, then maybe you should hire like truly experienced business owners. And I've jokingly said to my team for years, and, and I think I probably actually just need to do this that I need to make white flags that just say Mike on it so they can wave their white flag when they're drowning. Because I, I have the same problem, man. I'm, I, I think, and part of it though, I think as a coach and as a mentor, um, you know, seeing greatness in every single person that comes along, including your students, employees, et cetera, I have to be careful to, to, to balance that and temper it because I see so much greatness in every single human that's in front of me. And I kind of mistake that sometimes as knowledge, experience, ability, et cetera. Yeah. So you just want to make it happen faster. If you got a super competent person, why can't this person do it so you know immediately? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I struggle with it. I'm I'm like I'm I'm getting getting better at it. But it's 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 a growing, it's a growing experience for me as well to kind of start letting go a little bit more so that you can elevate yourself and think about more strategic things, uh, whatever, whatever that is. Well, couple minutes left here. Um, I'm going to just turn turn it over to you to discuss whatever it is that Michael Blanc wants to discuss. Well, I think we talked a lot about uh, the high-level stuff here. And uh, one of the things that we're, we're doing right now is we actually created a, a, a master class called Apartments 101. And that might be a, a good next step. It's free for the time being and for your audience. But that might be a good thing to start with where we really talk about how is it that you can overcome your lack of experience? How is it possible you can raise uh, raise money with, uh, you know, for apartment building. How is it possible you can get in there? And then we literally go, go through Dealmaker Blueprint. What does it look like to close a deal from start to finish, like every single step in the in the process? And then kind of a 90-day plan. Okay, okay, if you would like this, then what what do you, what could you be doing over the next 90 days to kind of make process? Uh, so, so that's called the Apartments 101. And, and where are we going to put it, Mike? We're going to put it investingforfreedom.co forward slash apartments. Does that sound a good idea? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I love it. All right, let's, let's do that. So just go to, to Mike's website, investingforfreedom.co forward slash apartments. And uh, we'll, put that, we'll put that course there. And that might be a, a great next, uh, next step for people who might be interested in finding out a little bit more. Well, I love it, man. And that's super generous. And, and I meant it when I said earlier, you know, the, the reason why I wanted to kind of get into the weeds a little bit about your teaching and all of that is because I believe in it. And Man, I'm obviously a huge fan of real estate. I'm a mobile home park guy. And I can't tell you how many times I get on phone calls with investors. Actually, there was literally a GoBundance guy that emailed me this morning. And he's got a depreciation problem. He's got a tax problem. And I had to tell him, 
you know, this isn't going to solve what I have going on currently isn't going to solve your need. And so that's what I love about this world because, um, you know, there's a lot of offerings and there's a lot of different things you can do. But the one thing about apartments, man, that depreciation plan, it's not that it doesn't exist in mobile home parks, but for what this guy's looking for, man, there's, there's so many things to learn about apartment complexes. And, and I'm just a huge fan of your teaching. So I appreciate you, um, you know, just coming in and sharing all your wisdom and, and, and just showing up. I know you've been at it for a long time, as Russ Gray would say, you're an overnight success 20 years in the making, right? That's right. Exactly. It's been great, Mike. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah. Thanks for doing it. Cheers. And again, if you guys want to get that free course, which is just so amazing and, and benevolent of them to do, just go to investingforfreedom.co forward slash apartments. And Michael Blanc and his team are going to get you that free course, which is awesome. Thank you for doing it. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you'd take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.